Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two of season two of the ADOS podcast. Please remember to like us on our Facebook page at the ADOS podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at the ADOS podcast. We're on Instagram at the ADOS podcast. We're on Apple Music now. We're on Spotify now. We're on every major platform. And it's the same tag. The ADOS Podcast. Please give us a like, give us a follow, share our content. We're doing a lot of great things. I have with me my co-host, Christian. How you guys doing? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2. Please like and subscribe. And we have with me my brother, Representative John Thompson, newly elected Minnesota House of Representative (laughs) member. Brother John, say what up to the people, man. What's up, y'all? How you doing, Uh John Thompson, uh, House District 67A, uh, which covers most of uh, the east side of St. Paul. Uh, honored to be here today. Let's just get right into it. Brother Thompson, how does it feel to be a newly elected Minnesota House of Representative member? You know, it, 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 it feels good, man, to be able to finally, uh, me and mom, be able to finally. Uh, sit in a space where you could actually effectively make change on a broader scale with a diverse body of people. Uh, now, I mean, you know, do the people really want to work with, with, you know, the, the Democrats being in the majority is, we'll see. We'll see. It's, it's become a, it's, it's become almost like, Hey, let me have a mountain view. Mountain view. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, it just becomes a hassle trying to get things done. Uh, you know, we are we are the first, the only divided legislation in the United States right now, man. The state of Minnesota. So it feels good, though, man. To be honest, that was to answer your question. It feels good to finally be able to, like, everything that I want to say, I can see it on the floor of the state capitol right now. You know, without being called a. Uh, uh, angry black man because I'm not angry now. I'm here. I get the keys to the car. So I'm just ready to drive some good legislation, man. I, I like Thank what you. you said that you're not angry anymore. You're here. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. So how, how and I love the fact that you turned that that previous anger that you had you know, uh, and you turned it into something positive and you used it to motivate you to run for office. What was that process like for you? Just you know, stepping out there saying, "I want to, I'm, I'm running for Minnesota, you know, House Representative 67A. I don't have any political background or political experience. I don't need that. I'm gonna be the voice of the people." What was that process like for you? Uh, I was determined to win, man. I, I, you know, I, I was determined to win this race and focus. Um, during the campaign trail, um, there was a lot of things that were like thrown in my path, man, try to like, not, not discourage me, but try to like, you know, some people would give up, cave in, but I know I had a calling over my life, you know, and, and I know what I'm called to do. And that's definitely be a voice for the people, my people, black people. And I don't like to, to say, you know, too many different things. I'm not a minority. I'm not a person of color. I'm not BIPOC black. So for black people, you know, who, uh, Philando, even Philando uh, uh, being murdered, you know, God does things for a reason, man. And here I am, you know, here I am. I, I know my friend, man. I know for a fact Philando is is up there, man, like smiling, 
<laughs> some mm-hmm. of the some of the some of the obstacles I had to go through to get him. Man, but he's watching over me too, by the way. Like I, I, he's here in this room with me right now. And I, I like I like what you said. First, I want to congratulate you on doing that and winning that office seat and being on the east side. I used to live on the east side of St. Paul. So that representation to see is beautiful. I really love what you said about, you know, you're not in this category, you're not in this category, you're black. So could you talk about being black on the east side of St. Paul? Being black in the state of Minnesota sucks. You know, like, like we have the worst disparities in the nation. We don't own a thing, man. We don't own home. We don't have any small businesses. Man, we don't have a bowling alley. We don't have a skating rink. We don't have a, yo, <laughs> we don't own nothing. We don't have nothing that, uh, we don't have a barbecue joint. You know what I mean? We don't have nothing, man. You go to states like, like Atlanta or Chicago, even hell, Wisconsin, man, they have little pockets. Well, everything's black. Everything we want. Skate, you know, it's like the skate to to their type of music, not the music they play at the little skating rink in North St. Paul. <laughs> we want stuff. We don't have anything. So to be, you ask me to be black, the achievement guy, when it comes to our kids, you know, right now, distance learning sucks. They used to beat our ancestors for learning. Now they call it an achievement guy. And, and another thing is a lot of people move here to Minnesota because Minnesota has some of the best schools. Minnesota has some of the best conditions. I mean, the racism existed here, but it wouldn't suck to live here. Or black people would never came here. I can remember a migration of black people coming to Minnesota in the in the eighties and nineties because of how good it was. Now it sucks, man. Like, and anytime you try to try to have a conversation about advancing uh, uh, black people. Oh, we got to talk about it. We got to negotiate it. We got to, we, we, we'll give you this, but you got to take some of this away. You can't say black. You got to say BIPOC. <laughs> I, I was just going to say that, brother. It, most often when it comes to providing resources to black folks, they're willing to do it as long as they can include other folks with it. It's never just we're going to do something for just black people. It's always we can do something for people of color. And I always, I, I cringe when I hear people say BIPOC or people of color. I really do cringe at that or minority because to me that means, all right, we're going to give out these resources and everybody going to get it and black people going to go last. Black people going to get it last. That's what that means to me when I hear BIPOC, when I hear minority. It means everybody going to get something and black people going to get what's left. Hey, bro, we were, we were colored. We were nigger, Negro. <laughs> you know, look at, look, at, well, look at your granddad's birth certificate. He probably say colored or Negro. <laughs> now in 2021, we have persons persons of color or BIPOC. You know, every every title they they come up with for for us is an ex- a, a way to leave us out of the resources. Man, it's, it's actually to give it. Can be a woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, John. I'm sorry about that. I just I just had to go in because I was like is. It's actually more to it than just that. You know, it's it's ownership, it's entitlement, and it's taking away from it's taking our identity away. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I had to get that in. Hey bro, we've been having stuff taken away from us and we've been doing without for as long as I've been on this earth. We've always gotten the chillings. <laughs> you know yeah. We've always gotten the and, and, and some of us still eating oh, it to I, this day. <laughs> uh, you, 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 you see uh <laughs> 
when I see the Patriots like storm the U.S. Capitol and say, like, we want our country back, I always ask, what have you lost? <laughs> like, what do you want back? Because we, y'all ain't lost nothing. So, are you that serious about Donald Trump? Because that's all you're losing. And so now, I mean, Donald Trump made it okay for racist, racist, racist folks to come out and call themselves patriots. You know, and now you, if you see Sloan but Sean, they're, they're, they're crawling back into their, their eternal shell. Some of the legislators that were there are backtracking on a lot of the statements they said. They, you know, we don't support Donald Trump. Now that we know who you are, we don't support this. And we don't know what you did. All four years you did. You know, the back the blue, the the uh you know, the blue lives matter, the the patriotic flags, and you know, for the for four years, man, we watched this cult. <laughs> we watched this cult like <clears throat> come out of the closet and say it's okay to be a racist white person, right? You know, I, I ran into them a couple of times. And you see me running to them in Hugo, Minnesota, man, the people spitting at us and Calling us niggas and and you know go home and you know this is it. This is not the seventies. I'm not my ancestor. I'm not my grandmother. I am not turned the other cheek. You don't get to tell me how to be tired of racism. I, I like so, that so you. I, I, I like that you brought up Hugo. Let's let's. So I'm gonna provide a little context before we get into Hugo. Since you brought it, it up before, you, since you brought it up, we're gonna go get into it if that's okay. You brought it up. So, Brother John Thompson uh, went out there. To Hugo, along with some other folks, there was a lot of people out there, actually. Uh, it was a, a whole group of folks uh, to protest at the house of Bob Crow in Hugo, Minnesota. That's where he resides. Bob Crow is the, the, the president, leader of the Minneapolis Police Union. Mm -hmm. Okay? Uh, that's the context. Brother John, let, can you let's, let, let us know? Oh, we lost you for a second on the, on the video. You still there with us? Yeah, I ain't going nowhere. Okay. Uh, I just didn't want y'all to hear me blowing my big snot. Oh, you got to blow your nose. Oh, <laughs> yeah. do, do your thing. Uh, Brother John was out there in Hugo. He was provided the opportunity to speak at the rally. And you said some things. You said a lot of things. You said a lot of things that people didn't like. Mm -hmm. um, let, let's just get into it. What happened on that day? You know... You uh, I had a guy come after me about this uh, pinata, and I said, "He said he hit an epithet of a uh, of a uh, a police officer's wife." And I said to him, "I'd be very upset if I was that lady, man. I'm so tired of y'all talking about that pinata." He said, "Why?" Well, I said, "I'd be so upset with y'all because it, 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 you know that pinata don't look nothing like me. <laughs> so you should be mad at the person who made the pinata." You know, I hit this pinata, man, and it was like, John, you want to hit the pinata? And I'm, okay, cool. I'm trying to get candy out of the pinata. I'm not trying to, like, so I had no idea that I was going to get the backlash that I got from uh, Hugo, Minnesota. But let's just let's just say this, bro. When I, when I when we show up to Hugo, Minnesota, like, they don't show you that they're pushing black people and pushing the motorcycle riders off their bikes. The Washington County Sheriff is watching this, right? It's spinning at us. Go home, nigger. Okay, so if you look at this video, I'm not supposed to even be here on this program. Like, I was not, they had a program that people scheduled to speak. 
Uh, if you listen to uh, the person who introduced me, she says, well, he wasn't expecting to speak, but here's our, you know, uh, our candidate here for the, uh, the I just won a DFL endorsement too, by the way. And uh, I'm looking at these people, man, out the corner of my eye. Now, now keep in mind, they are, they are all strapped. They got guns, ARs, handguns, they're strapped. And uh, so I'm yelling at the two guys. As a matter of fact, he contacted me. His name is uh, Scott St. Croix, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and Irving Randall. I'm, I'm going to get back to that. I'm going to circle back to that. But I'm yelling at those two right there. Scott St. Croix and Irving Randall. I, I know their names now because they contacted me. <laughs> but I'm yelling at them because they were just like taunting me and spitting at me. like, And they had the... the uh, back the blue flag or something like that. And I'm like, you can stick that. If you don't support black people, you can stick that flag in your butt. You know, I'm, I'm like, you know, if you go don't support black lives, because here we're protesting somebody who y'all elevated to lieutenant. He has 57 complaints as a police officer, 11 lawsuits. And he just handcuffed a 15-year-old kid and football kicked him in the face. So that's why we're at his house. You know, I'm protesting something that needs to be protested. Right. Uh, I'm saying to the people here, if you, if you don't want him here, keep him here and you go. Give me a job where I can travel a, a half an hour away and kick the shit out of a white supremacist and, and make his family suffer and turn his family into felons and don't have to have uh, uh, anything but my badge to back me up. Uh, you know what I mean? Give me that job. I'll, 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 I'll work overtime. I, I work overtime. I work every day, seven days a week. You know, if I could just lock them up, make them body bags and hashtags, because that's what's happening in my community. That's what they're doing to black men. You know, <laughs> you know. So, so give me that job. But, but back to Hugo. <clears throat> I'm not yelling at you know the, the Alpha News outlet that put this this uh this uh video together. You know, they're good at like clipping and pasting and taking out stuff. They're not showing these racist patriots, right? And so. Yo, they caught me with my. I was served to the Republican Party on a platter because mm. now it's the, the 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 DFL House member is cursing and yelling and using and beating an epithet, right? Like they made this out to be this Mayberry neighborhood and these two nice people that we're protesting. When in actuality, Liz Collins is complicit in Bob Crow's antics, also because I don't see you reporting nothing but yo. You know, when Philando was murdered, they reported that Philando had weed in the car. They didn't report the type of person he was. You know, uh, uh, Bob Crow, you keep your mouth shut. You'd have to make a statement about Philando. He wasn't murdered in in, uh, in Minneapolis. He was murdered in, in Falcon Heights by a St. Anthony officer patrolling law to them. But Bob Crow always has some some dumb shit to say out of his mouth. Every time, like, like I, I can remember uh, a kid in City Hall, downtown Minneapolis, getting ready to be charged with murder. So you know how they walk out of the room and they're going to come back in there and tell him he's under arrest and he's sticking himself in the neck with a with a, with a, uh, a fire. And the officers come in and shoot him. And Bob Crow gets on the TV and says, if you look at the video, we actually saved his life. You ought to thank the officers. I said, you going to like, bullet save my life? I clearly have a mental breath. This is the type of, of, of person that I'm, we're protesting. He's a racist, 
white supremacists. And this is beyond you know, this I'm beyond not, what happened with and this is beyond what happened with George Floyd. This is the same summer, right? This is last year. So this mm-hmm. is beyond that. Y'all protesting this man's career. Of, his entire career. Uh, of raging havoc on our community. Minneapolis elevated him. <laughs> like, bro, they reward bad behavior in Minneapolis when it comes to policing. Because this man has 11 successful lawsuits, 57 complaints, and none of them, none of them turned out any disciplinary action or accountability. None of them. As a matter of fact, all, out of all 57, I don't think one of them made it to, to anybody's office. But we, could, You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he's promoted to sergeant. So show you the culture over there in Minneapolis. You see, he retired, by the way. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. now. So now we're, we're past that. You're elected now. You know, it's died down. It's been six months, seven months since that video surfaced. Uh, I, I think it went viral. I think it was a hundred, couple hundred thousand views. Um, I know a lot of people were posting about it in various cha- or various Facebook groups. A lot of people saw it. Bob Crow is now retiring. I don't know if he did or, or not already. I know he announced that he was going to retire soon. Uh, what What's the current environment like now? You said people still bring it up on the House floor. How do you feel about the situation now? Are you just past it? Yeah, you got people like Kirked Out, uh, uh, Rakowski, uh, Eric Mortison. You know, trying to make a name. And I appreciate the, the act. I'm going to invite them to lunch one day. So I appreciate the act. In all actuality, man, yeah, they bring it up on the house floor. They use that as ammo to attack me. And I have yet to address it because I said what I said in Hugo. And then everything that I said about those people were proven when the Patriots that these were the same Patriots, by the way, that stormed the U.S. Capitol. You know what I mean? Like, these are the same Patriots that said that the election was rigged, stolen from their cult leader. These were the same people that I was yelling at. Now, all of a sudden, they're crawling back in their hole. And so these these Republicans are using this this uh, uh, this video still as ammo to attack the Democratic Party. In all actuality, I'm still going to attack racism the same way, same passion, different lane. And so you don't, you, they didn't vote for me either. Like, these people who talk that crazy crap on the floor of the U.S. of, 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 of in session, they didn't vote for me. They didn't vote for me. The people on the East Side voted for me to be a voice for the people who need help here on the East Side. And so, like, bro, I, I, don't, I don't entertain clowns because you become part of a circle. You know, so I don't, I don't have to entertain that. I said what I said. And then I had to apologize. If I had to, re- if I had to do anything different uh, about Hugo, Minnesota, man, to be honest with you, um, first of all, I would have never showed up to Bob Crow's house. Mm. Second of all, I would never hit a pinata. Uh, I can see how that looks. You know, I, you know, I can see how that looks. Too. But for years, we've been in fear for our life. Let's be clear. Let's be clear about something else, too. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but some of the first protesters used to show up to our ancestors' house to burn crosses, mm-hmm. set the whole church on fire, throw Molotov cocktails through windows. So we're doing what we learned from you. You're mm-hmm. some of the most violent people on this earth, and you know it. So we want to talk about showing up to people's houses and protesting. Like, we learned that from you. They will literally show up that? at people's homes, burn a cross in their front yard as a symbol to say... Not even God can save you for what we're about to do to you. People used to lynch us and take pictures and send it across the country as a postcard, as a greeting for a holiday for their other family members. These are facts. This is the history of America. 
So I, I love that you said, if you see us committing violence, look at yourself. Because we learned it from you. We learned this behavior from you. I mean, we can take this back centuries. Colonialism, slavery. How do we get here in the first place? Those are all acts of violence and acts of crime. Um, and those are all facts. So I, I, I thank you for providing us with that insight and, and, and providing additional context around what happened in Hugo. We didn't get a chance to sit down and have a conversation after that. We, we talked on the phone, of course. But we never got to, you know, talk about this on the podcast. And we've been meaning to do it. So I'm glad we were actually able to wrap that up. Moving forward now, if, if Christian don't have any more questions about that, I want to talk about some budget stuff and some uh, other legislator, uh, legislative things that's happening right now at the Capitol. Yeah, be- before we get into budget, you are a powerful brother. And I just want you to know that, you know, to all of our viewers and listeners, just know how powerful our voices are. Elijah, that includes you, too. Because you're also, you know, you joined the one percenters as well. And I think we need a narrative change to get out of the mindset that it's a one percenter group, whereas more of us at these house seats, it's more of us at these municipal seats, it's more of us involved in the process to fixing systemic issues. And one thing, Elijah, that you mentioned, you know, that you both actually mentioned when we were talking about, you know, not being liked because of our color. If they don't like us because of our color, do we expect them to like us for what we're saying? Mm. Because if you don't like someone based on how they look, you're not going to like anything that comes out of their mouth. So we, we, it, it, you know, it takes trailblazers like ourselves. You, been mm-hmm. you know, hey, hey, Christian, you know, uh, any, any black man historically who's ever stood up and said, I'm sick of racism, take like, like, I, I, I can go back. I don't know not one. They were labeled uh, troublemakers, angry Negroes. Now we, we, we call domestic. They always have a name for us. You know? Now we're domestic terrorists. You know, I, I don't have to like apologize for being black. White people want to take responsibility for everything except racism. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, everything except racism. Like, I, why white people calling me racist? How the hell am I racist? How can I be racist? I can't even afford to be racist. My pockets don't. You know what I mean? Like I can't. I can't You're going into classism now. <laughs> no, no. Yo, ser- so you know what? That's serious, I just, I just, though. I, I get it. Like right now, right now, you know what's 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 being said to me in 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 these chats. I said the Patriots stormed the Capitol. Now some of the same racist people said those weren't Patriots. Oh. You weren't a part of this group just two, three months ago? Now all of a sudden they're crawling back into their doggone turtle shell because their cult leader has, has, has left. Nobody stole nothing from y'all. Y'all had a four-year run. Y'all had a four-year run. Now you can take your racist self back to the barn. Back to the farm. Everything that I said in Hugo, Minnesota, I'm doing right now. And if y'all Google John Thompson, I said I'd be here in 2016. It's it's recorded on tape at the state capitol. Oh, I promise you, if you record, if you Google John Thompson from 2016 out of a blue true religion deck, I'm standing on the floor of the state capitol with crutches. And I say to them, we're going to put people in place to come after them seats and replace you. Here I am. I, it's everything I said in Hugo, I'm doing right now. I wasn't lying. 
I wasn't like yelling because I'm angry. I'm tired of being angry. I'm mad. Man, matter of fact, I'm mad. I'm ready to make a difference. How about that? I'm not angry no more. I'm mad. I'm ready to make a difference. And so y'all be mad about Hugo. Y'all be mad about anything that comes out of my mouth. But pardon my brass delivery, though. Pardon me. But I can remember what my mother went through, what my father went through, what my grandfather went through, and how they had to work three, four jobs while you work one job. Mm. Put your kids through college. If we got a ticket, it, 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 if we got a ticket for driving, it put a stain in our, uh, in our, in our bank account. Mm. You know, we came to afford to, 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 to provide Christmas for our kids. It's, you know, we got a stain. You know, so uh, it's just a, hey, bro, don't get me started, man. <laughs> I'm doing exactly what I said I'm going to do, man. And, you know, people told me, John, there's a better way of going about doing it. Well, I'm doing it this way, and now I'm still being attacked. You know what I mean? Like, come on now. No matter what you do, you might as well just get right to the mean potatoes. You don't want black people to have nothing. You mm. want us to be in, in those old raggedy clothes and, 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 and uh, pounding cotton some damn way. Man, that that's the truth. And I'm glad that you brought up the fact that you you did say that on the Capitol floor in 2016 i want to tell my viewers the young people who may be watching this man there's power in your words there's power in the tongue even the bible says it but it's power in your tongue right you can speak life and death literally you manifested that brother so i i, I appreciate you you know the ados podcast loves and supports you i was as we was talking about before we started the podcast i supported you back then i supported you during hugo and when people ask me i tell them i'm still supporting john why because he said what needed to be said when it needed to be said and he didn't hold his tongue when a lot of people will get up there and hold their tongue especially when they're running for office you got to keep it real all the way through so let's transition a little bit let's do it you're, you're, you're in the seat now you're in these committee, your uh, co uh, committees. We have higher ed committee. Yep. So I was uh, going to ask you, what committees are finance, you a part of? Agriculture, finance, health and human services, uh, the uh, mental health uh, division, and I'm also uh, I just was appointed to the Council of African Heritage. Man, some you great things that? already. Yep, no, yeah, yep. That that's that's what it's called. Uh yeah, I got a two I got a two billion dollar act uh uh bill. It's called the Philando Castillo Omnibus Pack. You, you go to my bills, you'll see it. Uh, this is a two billion dollar act. Well, I'm, I'm not asking for reparations, I'm asking for a down payment. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So yo, know, there's there's certain things, man, that the state of Minnesota should have been doing and, 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 and to be honest with you like i'll give you an example of what i'm saying contracts and procurement we should be doing like 30 percent of contracts in procurement with, with uh african-american minority-owned businesses yeah 1.3 percent that makes sense well run that back for the people that's watching this because because I, I have this conversation with a lot of my colleagues a lot and i and i do contract work with the counties i do some with with the uh, municipal governments here in minneapolis and in st paul mm -hmm. so i i know the statistics man but run that back again for the people that's watching this those those numbers that percentage breakdown because that's ridiculous we're supposed to be doing at least 30 33 percent of contracts and procurement meaning that that janitor uh, or that that uh, cleaning company, right? That minority-owned business. They're looking at them and saying, "No, nah, we're gonna give it to our white counterpart." Yo, that 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 construction company, that black-owned construction company. They're they're looking us over. 
we're at we're supposed to be at thirty three percent. We had like one point three percent, which puts the state at risk of being sued. If people knew what they were doing, you could still sue the state of Minnesota for this because you're not in compliance with what you said. You know what I mean? And so that's in my pack, yo. Uh, creating pathways to home ownership. I'm tired of making landlords rich, and my community is also. So that's in my pack. Uh, a Philando Castillo uh, 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 full service community center, man, with everything that black people need in it, all the resources. Like we're tired of people making decisions for us without us and then thinking the outcome is for us. That's mm. just not going to work. Facts. <laughs> I'm also working on a qualified immunity package, man. You know that? Yep. With, uh, with uh, Jonathan McCullum. Uh, what's that guy, man? Hey, so many people. I swear I will call y'all back, man. Everybody's talking. Uh, what else I got? Man, I'm I'm partnering with with a, with a powerful brother, Cedric Frazier, on this on this bill, and it's already been introduced. Where where, where doctors and teachers should not have to use uh, uh use their sick time. Uh, you know, if they get sick from COVID, yeah, they use their sick time, right? That's Workers' ridiculous. comp should cover that. That's like a no-brainer, right? right? That's ridiculous. But that's not what's happening right now. Especially, if, especially if the state's not going to require all all schools to go into uh, distance learning. If you're gonna, re- if you're not going to have any requirements, are you still going to, you know, let let the decision be up to the school boards or the schools whether or not they want to be open? You got to provide some additional support to the teachers who are going to be in harm's work for this, man. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, and a lot of it went on a, you know, the superintendents. That's uh, some of their policies and, you know, the way they wanted to do virtual learning versus in-person learning. So we have to hold, you know, those those groups accountable as well. So, so, you know, uh, if you think about it, brothers, like a lot of the stuff that we don't have is because of legislation. Bad legislation. And we watched it. Like, if you think about think about the seat I'm in, this seat been occupied, was occupied for 22 years, uncontested. Mm. 22 years uncontested. But I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about Tim Mahoney, man. Like I I, I respect Tim Mahoney. You know, as a matter of fact. I need somebody to like walk me through what's going to happen here at the state capitol and like mentor me. And you'd be surprised how much help uh, Representative Mahoney has been uh, for me. And uh, uh, Representative Mahoney is sick too, by the way. I've heard he has cancer, so I want to I want to send a you know, prayers to him and his family. But you'd be surprised that like he had to see twenty two years uncontested. Also, bro, uh, uh, brothers, to in. in even running this campaign, uh, Tim Mahoney has 7,000 people vote for him, meaning that he had a base. He didn't need nobody. Nobody else going to put their name on the ticket. And the same people voted for him over and over and over again, right? I won with 11,000, them to 12,000 votes. I was trying to do 20,000. Just to show you, like, like, the places that they said, don't, don't, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. These people don't never vote. Well, that's where I went. Mm. <laughs> That's what I, to mm-hmm. the black people who they said never voted. Y'all don't get up and vote today because you got somebody on the ticket going to fight for you. You know, so I went to the people, man, you know, and, and right now I owe the people. So that's why I'm here in this space, like putting legislation. There's some controversial legislation that I'm putting together, man. But anything black is controversial. 
Facts. Anything <laughs> that that'll better the conditions in the black community is always controversial to people who don't want us to do better. So now these conversations be like you, you can't you can't avoid the conversation now because I'm here. And, 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 and won't y'all both agree with me? Like I didn't actually come in this space. I kicked the door in, mm. and now I'm gonna hold it open for brothers and sisters to get in. That's the key right there. Once you kick the door open, it's gonna shut again, and they are gonna let you in because you forced your way in there. You gotta put a put a a, a brick or something, <laughs> and then the middle of the door, in the door in the doorway, so we can get in too, or open up a window or something, so we can come in with you. Just don't get in there and just you know close the door behind yourself, lock the windows, and say I'm in the house now. I ain't letting nobody else in. No, we we we, you know, we got some powerful legislators, man. You know Cedric Frazier's there. Yep. Uh, my sister Athena Hollins, man. You got to get Athena on your show, bro. Athena Hollins, you know me and Athena Hollins were. Uh, I was the vice president. She was the president of our, our district council. I mean, yeah. And so we like tag teaming, man. Now she's she's a man. She is a she's a lawyer too, by the way. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Cedric Frazier's a lawyer. Esther Badge's a lawyer. Uh, man, we got a bunch of lawyers. Uh, uh, Heather Keeler. We got a bunch of, 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 of powerful freshman legislators. Man, you got to get them on the show. I wish we all could just get on at one time, man. A- a- Esther, have, you know what? I love that idea. We actually should set that up, Christian. Yeah, let's do it. We, we should set up you know, the freshman legislators show and do a whole podcast just dedicated <laughs> to y'all, have y'all all on a Zoom call. I love that. I'm going to steal that idea, Rep Thompson. I got to steal yeah. that. But Esther was on the show. The you corona, know, I, I hosted the, the, the debate. The Corona, the corona Posse. posse. Yeah. I, I hosted no, the debate over there, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad that you connected with them, though, because they are some powerful folks, man. Uh, Esther is dope. She definitely was on the show. We did the debate. Um, man, all those provisions that you just outlined that's in that uh, omnibus bill that you're, that you're presenting and that package you're putting together sound like amazing things that a lot of black folks in the state of Minnesota can benefit from, not just over in 67A, but across the state. So I want to just say thank you for putting that together. I know that's not easy, man. It's not easy putting together those types of proposals and speaking on behalf of those things and being intentional about who is going to support black people. Uh, that's mad love. For real. I have a bill called uh, the African-American Youth Access Bill, right? And in this package, I'm asking for direct appropriation. Remember I talked about how we don't have any. And uh, in all actuality, man, our kids are, are, are losing just like the adults. We're losing their lives, too. Um, and this package was, like, to do some, you know, I, I, I have some, some people who have, black people who have farms. You know, the Somali community, have they, they raise their own cattle. And they have a process, what they call the Halil process, how they, how they uh, process their meats. Okay, well, you notice that any no black farm, no black farmers really. Oh, we don't have land like that. I asked Patrice Bailey the other day, how many black farmers? He said we got a few. Well, how about taking 10, 20 kids uh this summer? Teach them how to process the meat and how to raise cattle, how to milk cow, how to get eggs, how to teach them to farm and trade, right? Not only are you may not only may you save a couple of lives, but you're teaching these kids uh, a, a skill that we've been left out of. You know, there's some kids who, who dream of being farmers when they, you know, the old McDonald had a, you know, <laughs> like, like, at a young age, we dream about, but we, they snatch us right out of that dream. So I'm trying to, like, cover all bases. 
There's a reason why you'll see many black people on construction sites on them John Deere tractor trailers. They've taken these career paths out of our school, especially in high school. You know, you know when you go to Burnsville or Egan, they got pre-apprenticeship programs. Mm-hmm. And I keep asking St. Paul and Minneapolis, why is it that you think all our kids want to go to the University of Minnesota, University of anything? Some of our kids want to be carpenters. Some of our kids want to be plumbers. Some of them want to be welders. But you've taken those career pathways. You know, kids like to touch stuff. We got curriculum from 20, fucking 1989 being talked to our kids right now, man. We're in 2021 right now. So I honestly like to let them know when I was in high school, I had woodshop. We cut open frogs. You know what I mean? Biology. We had home economics. Y'all have taken all that out of us. And and, and, and we have to go to Egan to get it. So you've actually created the achievement gap. These kids don't want to be in this building and listen to this white woman talk all day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm, it's almost facts. like walking into to, to one of the high schools, any high school, and, and going into the black history class and seeing a white woman teach. Like, how does that work? In every high school. That we, <laughs> you know what I mean? How does that work? So I want to want to make sure that they are uh, putting career options back on the plate at a high school level. Yo, I used to love woodshop. The only way I could keep, I, only way I could keep going to woodshop is I had to maintain a certain grade point average which kept me in school, which kept me, you know, interested because I want to make sure that I play basketball too. Mm-hmm. So I had to have a great, I had a certain grade point average. There are things that kept me interested in getting good grades also, man. Even no matter how boring these classes were, I knew if I got an F, I wouldn't be able to do certain things. So, And you know what? So, you know what that is right there, Brother Thompson? That's accountability, right? That's teachers, coaches, holding kids accountable, saying if you want to do this, you got to have at least a, a, a 2.0. A two point five, mm-hmm. whatever the GPA is, you gotta have, you gotta meet this standard to participate. I don't even think we have that those systems of accountability anymore. It was like that when I was in high school. My brother right now, sixteen years old, man, the stories he tell me about his teachers and how they interact with them is ridiculous. I almost want to go up there and have a conversation with the teachers. You should, <laughs> you should. Bro, they're raising felons. Man. You know, you know, one of the first interactions with uh, with child protection services starts from a phone call from the school. Schools say, "Oh, this kid is now all of a sudden uh, child protection services and snatched this kid up out of the house, sent them to Worthington, Minnesota, somewhere where his parents can't see him no more." And all of a sudden, you created it. Every aspect, but that's the new way to enslave black kids now too. Is DPS, yo. You know, it's sizing these kids up for their jumpsuits in kindergarten. Man. You know, you know it's sizing them up. You know, when you, when you, you know, the kindergartners can be suspended. Yeah. Like, what world do we live in? Man? <laughs> <laughs> I've never met a kindergartner who I can't, like, I can look at a kid a certain way, man, and they're like, okay, I'm going to straighten up. In kindergarten, that comes from not having culturally specific, culturally competent teachers. These white people teaching and all, and I'm not racist, bro. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna keep on like trying to. Like, I don't have to say I'm not racist because I got white friends. I don't do that. That's I let them do that. I'm not racist. I got black neighbors. So I don't have to do that. Like, I'm really not racist, yo. Know, like, but I do know that I can't go into uh, uh, Caesar or Caesar Chavez Road and say I'm gonna help all the people in this community. They kick my butt out of that community. You don't know nothing about our culture. Are you Hispanic? Are you Mexican? Are you, are you Latino? What are you? Man, you know what I mean? But everybody gets to come to our community 
and do studies on us and, <laughs> and they know what we need. We know what we need. We need more black teachers, more black administrators, more black principals. We need more black mental health providers. We know what we need. Y'all know what we need. Mm-hmm. Give it to us or yeah. we're going to take it. And and to add to that, you know, I'm just I'm just thinking about the hands-on experience that you talked about. On average, our community are very hands-on with things. So we may not be the the most technically sound, but when it comes to like building and operating physically, we can do anything, you know? So it's like we can't take that away and say and put all these kids in one room and say you have to learn how to do this this way. You know, part of the reason why I think that um, a lot of our community loves sports is because of how hands-on and proactive and energetic people get to be as they participate in these hands-on activities. So what you're working on is fantastic, and we we support you here at the ADOS Podcast, and you know that. Yeah, when you're having these hearings. Some of the bills that I've co-authored or co-signed on to, man. I, I, I like will. It had to have that. It had to have that. Uh, that racial equity lens. Mm-hmm. Nothing comes through my office that doesn't have that. I won't even look at it. I won't even meet with. It. Matter of fact, anybody I meet with, I pretty much ask the question like, "What's in it for black people?" <laughs> I, I don't ask it in that that bold term because tone tone because people are intimidated by me. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing. But I do ask about us. Like, I don't want us ever left out of the conversation. And as long as I'm in office, like, I, I don't know if y'all could tell, man, but I'm black. Like, I have never been no other. <laughs> we didn't notice here. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. I ain't never been nothing but this color in my, <laughs> my entire life. And so I, I honestly know that if I don't speak for us, who will? You know what I mean? And, and I'm tired of being on the menu. I'm at the table now, bro. Like, I'm at the table right now. And so I, I want to I offer you this also, too, man. Utilize my office. While I'm here, man, you have to do this again in two years. Utilize my office while I'm here and push things that make sense for our community, man. They put the perfect two people together. Me and Jason, man, are like (laughs) good trouble mixed in a pot. (laughs) Oh, man. So they put the perfect two people. That's my legislative aid, too. Jason, Chavez, like we're like. Well, hold, hold, hold on, brother Thomas, uh, Thompson. You can't mention Jason without letting the people know. Hey, shout out to Jason Chavez. He's running for city council over in Ward 9. Um, I believe that's yes. the Ward. I believe it's Ward 9. Uh, we support Jason here. Uh, Jason's a good friend of mine. I know he's going to do great things for the residents over in Ward 9 and for the city of Minneapolis. Shout out Jason Chavez. You can continue, sir. My bad. I had Jason's to do that. on the front line. You know that? Jason's on the front line every time there's direct action. Not afraid, unapologetic, and my brother. You know, so I respect Jason. And, and and he doesn't just like fight for like one person. Jason fights for everybody. You know that? Like, and I mean that. And he's been at it here at the state capitol for a while, so he knows his way around this building. But like, man, Jason's like a breath of fresh air for me. You know, because some things I don't know, but Jason does. You know, I'm a freshman legislator. Mm-hmm. And I'm like on the go learning some stuff, you know. But Jason makes my job so much easier, man. I'm so honored to have him. And so yes, y'all support Jason, man. He's running for city council in Minneapolis. I think he'd be a great asset to that body over in Minneapolis. Absolutely. 
So we we, we gonna we gonna wrap it up here soon. Uh, I got one question. I know Christian got something he want to ask. Uh, I'll let Christian ask his one question first. If you got it already on top of your head, if not, I can ask mine. Yep, yep. No, I I got one. So you you probably don't know this, but I am a former candidate for city council in Apple Valley, and um, I just wanted to thank you. So it's more of a comment. I just wanted to thank you that we could have these political conversations and get to the grassroots of a lot of these issues. So I really love when you were talking about voting and, you know, how many votes that you wanted to get. I lost my election with 5,000 votes, which was a lot to me, you know, and I lost to the incumbents who's been doing it since the 80s and the 90s, and they've ran unopposed for the past years that they, you know, got into that office seat. So I just wanted to admire when you said that, that really resonated with me. And I went back to my own campaigning experience and was like, wow, you know, I just have to get ready for the next election because in order for me to get through that door, I can't stop. I have to keep going. So every two years, there's something going on. Just know I'll be involved. Hey, bro, I want to tell you something. A little bit of advice for anybody running for office. Don't listen to people telling you. If somebody tell you not to go somewhere, go there. When they tell you, that's where the folks at. And I tell you one thing they should have never taught us, man. They should have never taught us how to win elections. They come to bother some of them seats. They come to bother some of them seats. You know, it, it, we, we got the formula now. You know, and it's just going to be like, I'm showing people exactly what I do. You know, I'm not, it's not a secret. Like, we need people who are not afraid to have these conversations. The people that, should be afraid of the people that have been occupying these seats for so long uncontested. They should be very afraid. They should be afraid of me and people like me because we're coming for those seats. So I'll tell you this, uh, running against an incumbent, then you got to hit every everybody. You cannot leave one stone unturned. Not at all. You got to go to every last door and knock every last door. I mean, knock Every last day, you'd be surprised. Actually, wait till you talk to Athena Holland. <laughs> Athena Holland's lost her, uh, she, she was running against John Lesh. Athena Holland's lost the DFL endorsement, she didn't win the endorsement, so she was ready to quit. I called her, like, sis, we need you, don't quit. And she was like, I don't know, I think I'm just gonna. She got rid of her campaign manager. Man, you should see how she whooped him. <laughs> you should <laughs> see how Athena Holland's won. She's our new. Let us stay in my neighborhood, 65B, 67B, I mean 65B. But she's, man, every time I, every time somebody say her name, I just smile. Like, you took out a powerhouse, by the way. John Lesbian in this seat, and he, man. For a minute. So, for, bro, you have to hit every door. Good minute, yeah. You got to hit every door. You got to get on their nerves. Like, I used to I used to make phone calls, and people be like, Mr. Thompson, I voted for you already, but if you don't stop <laughs> calling me, <laughs> you got to keep doing it. I'm texting, I'm calling, I'm knocking, texting, calling, knocking. Like I'm everybody, everybody, not just this 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 list of people who you get. You don't have to pay six hundred dollars for this doggone van. Hey, that that list is cool, but if you're not getting out there, man, and, and getting to the people who not on that list, you're probably not going to be an incumbent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially so, when you got. You know, I, I have people tell me I wasn't going to win. It's tough. You're not going to win. Not, you know, you're not ready. Somebody told me you need to you need to uh, work on a couple of campaigns before you put your name down. You'd be surprised if I go to Washington in two years. You'd be surprised, right? <laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't be. I, I, I can see it. I can feel it. And you know what? You you hit on the key part. 
You just got to talk to people that don't participate or haven't participated in the past. Because guess what? People are not reaching out to them, man. You got some wards. I'm going to highlight Ward 5. I do a lot of research in, in Ward 5 <laughs> in Minneapolis. The The last election was at 2017. The candidate won with like 2,800-something votes. He won, he won by like 500 votes. I'm going to tell you how many people came out and participated. I'm going to tell you, you're going to be surprised. You're going to want to drop the pen again and pick it up and drop it again. 4,700 people out of out of a neighborhood, an area, a ward where there's about 18,000, hear me right, 18,000 eligible voters. 18,000 eligible voters, only 4,700 people came out to participate. And they consider that a high turnout year. They consider that a high turnout year. So before I go off on this, I'm going to say one thing because I'm going to go off on a tangent because it makes my blood boil. Seriously. Why, why isn't the DFL saying we got to do more voter engagement, more voter outreach in these types of wards where there's voter suppression? There's lack of information about what's going on. And we giving the information to certain people who won't already come out and vote. The people that that 4,700 people are the people who are showing up to these city council meetings. They're showing up to these hearings. They're, they're showing up and they protesting. They, they, they know what's going on in the community. What about the people that can't make it? What about the, the, the mom and the dad who got to work two, three jobs just to put food on the table and they can't show up to a hearing? They don't know what's happening in the community because they just don't have the access to it or the resources. And we got a digital divide over north and in other areas in our cities. Why isn't the DFL doing something about that, brother? My advice, my advice to the DFL party, man, and I have some very uh, long-time friends, and I've built relationships with DFLers that know people who are, are involved in the DFL, Corey Day, and Ron Harris, Hollis Winston. I've built relationships with those, those people, man, and these are my brothers. I'm going to tell you this. Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, they said it best. Like, that's the DFL's last hope. Black people start flipping Republicans. Like, that's your last hope, man. Like, DFL got to get post-George Floyd, post-this uh, Capitol uh, insurrection. Yo, black people showed up in, in Atlanta. Uh, Stacey Abrams got, had, got, got us out there to vote. And get, you know, like, this is the DFL's last chance to show black people. <laughs> I mean, like, this is y'all's last chance. You know, black people gonna go start their own party or flip Republican, and this is the, this is the like, bro. I would I would never lie to you, man. I love y'all. This is my straight up truth. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Oh, always. Yep. DFL got like one last chance, bro. Biden and Harris. After that, I don't think if, if we don't see no changes, and, and I'm talking about systematic and structural changes within our party, this, this party, bro. Black people are not going to support the Democratic Party too much longer, man. Like, how long do you expect us to, like, get nothing? You know, so I, I have this conversation. If I would, I would have this conversation with Ken Martin, but I'd also like to help this party, like, become more diverse and competent on what our communities need. You know, you know the DFL picks these, not even only, not only the DFL, these these elected seats, they, they love these cookie cutters, man, who never been through nothing. I'd rather pick the brother who's been in the back of the police car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like at least he knows exactly what I mean. Come on now. But you pick these cookie cutters. Some of them got four-year degrees in stupid. Mm. Some of them dumbing in a box of rock, but got a, a, a lambskin from a prestigious uh historic black college. So and a lot of college debt. You know, so, <laughs> but but they pick these cookie cutters who ain't never been through nothing. 
the, the Anton Melk mutes type. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and pick these guys right here, man. Yeah, and think that they'll be uh, somebody who will speak for us. And I ain't gonna say no names because I, I I got black brothers in office right now, man, who shuck and jive like George Jefferson, yo, in, in mayors, mayors of the entire city. Four years you've given us not a damn thing. I ain't say no names. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you ain't gotta say no names. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. I'm just saying, though, you know what I mean? <laughs> Partnering with Jake Fry over there, chuck and jive, dance. <laughs> When it comes to black people, oh, let's have a conversation about that. Let's mm. talk about it. Because we can't, but we voted for you, brother, because we thought you were going to be our, our voice. Man. You know our voice. You're interested in being a, a superstar. Here I am, here I am, bro. The, 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 I'm still pissed about that. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the first African American ever in this seat. Ever. Own brother wouldn't even call me and say congratulations. And you supported my opponent, by the way. You wouldn't even call me and say congratulations. First black man. Beat mm. your feet on the concrete, man. Like, I'll, I'll say that to, to I'm not saying no name because y'all know who I'm talking about. Yeah, we know. We, I know. We, we talked about it before. We, we talked about it before. He won't even call me, bro. Like, I'm I'm your brother. You won't even, you won't even like, 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 Look at me and turn his mouth up, man. Like, come on, man. So, just remember, some skin folks ain't our kin folk. Man, it's yeah. look good on camera. <laughs> hey, I say that often <laughs> on the Eight Hours podcast, bro, because we got to hold our people accountable too. The last thing I want to say, man, um, it's a question for you. Would you rather be loved or respected? Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. Uh, list of others man, uh, have done exactly what I'm doing right now. White people hate them and black people. Uh, they'll love me when I'm dead. Mm. Right now, I just want to be respected. Right now, I just want to be exactly what I say I want to see. Like, I want to be that. I want my son to see this. It's going to be a book. <laughs> like this chapter, this book ain't even been written yet. This is gonna be a book, man. Like this, this, this journey. Because I want my son and his friends, and I want your nephews and your little young cousins to see that it's something we can do whatever the hell we want to do. But I ain't never been a legislator in my life. Never thought about it. I used to think, I used to think the state capitol was a museum. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I am a, a state legislator on the go. I passed bills. I, I passed bills and I proposed bills to legislation, but I never in a million years thought I'd be one. I just get sick and tired of these people like treat me like I'm complaining. And so I'd rather be respected, just to answer your question. I'd rather be respected. I they'll love me when I'm dead and gone. You know, that's what that's you know, we, we we just we just had Martin Luther King's birthday and everybody loved and everybody got something to say positive about King when he was here at age. Nigga, if you don't get your, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. You know when he was here, nobody loved even black people. Malcolm X, black people got him killed. Now they love him. Malcolm X is this, that, this, you know what I mean? So, bro, this this is what I was called to do, man. And I, I promise you, I'm gonna die doing this work right here. Somebody may take me out, but this is what I'll be doing until I die. Is, is working for the Adolf community. Not only like like like, bro, to be clear. Not only just us, like, I have a heart, bro. I, I know that's the Somali community, man. Like, y'all know, people say, well, the Somalis moved up there. 
and they started this and they started that, but they got brothers and sisters in the Somali community who are being targeted right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, even in the Hmong community, we had a very diverse uh, east side, right? So even in the Hmong community, man, they're looking at these young Hmong kids, you know, they, they mimic what they see. Ah, they pants sagging. You know, some of these kids that had their pants sagging, man, got a 3.5 GPA. <laughs> My son wears sagging his pants right now. I've been on the honor roll every year since he's been in and I wish he would bring something other than an A to my house. You know what I mean? So these Rumpelstiltskin pants where kids do their style, man. <laughs> <laughs> Leave them alone. Stop tagging and targeting them. But, bro, just to answer your question so we can get off, man, I'd rather be respected uh, than love uh, my kids. I, I, you know? I love that response, Brother Thompson. I love that response. Uh, like our sister, Leslie Resmond, says... And build the brand off of. Don't complain. Activate. Activate. <laughs> you feel me? Hey, I love Leslie. <laughs> shout out to Leslie Resmond, man, former NAACP president for the Minneapolis chapter. Uh, good sister. We got to get Leslie on the show too. We, yeah. we gonna work on that, Christian. Hey, shameless plug. Uh, Leslie Redmond's clothing can be found in the Maplewood Mall at the pop up shop my sister Marsha has called Bread. Y'all need to go check the bread, that pop-up shop. Uh, not only does bread mean something to me, but her son, Aniki, makes these ice cream bow ties. Mm-hmm. And hold on. You got to see this, bro. I know y'all got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. Her <laughs> son made me this. The bow tie. Oh, dude. Oh, that's dope. That is cool. Made out of Legos. It's my favorite color too. That's that? dope. <laughs> that's a dope oh, tie, man. man. That that's that's skill right there, man. And I, yep, I was at the pop up shop yesterday. They have an event going on this weekend. Actually, I bought some stuff from uh, Q over at the Movement, mm-hmm. uh, the Movement Lifestyle brand. Malik Curtis with Lord Season, and my brother Kamari Davis uh, with uh, Health is Wealth. So it's a lot of great small businesses there, clothing brands there. They even got a brother in there selling artwork, man. So, yes, go check out the Maplewood Mall. Uh, Bread is the name of the store. They got pop-up shops and something happening every day of the week. Go check them out. Uh, Thank you for reminding me of that. Brother Thompson, I appreciate you. I know Christian appreciates you. Yeah, and we love and respect you here. So, Hey, Christian, put your name back on that ballot, man. I'm going to support you out there in Apple Valley. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. I had uh, some endorsements don't, but you know, they don't support municipal. Some endorsements told me that straight up. So we'll talk. We'll definitely talk okay. and keep in touch. Hey, brothers, I love y'all, man. <laughs> Anytime you want me on this show, man, it'll be an honor. I, like, you don't have to schedule it. John, I need you here. I'll be there. <laughs> Give me a day notice. I'll be there. Yes, sir. And, and this was kind of last minute. I think I, I called you a couple of days ago. And you was like, oh, man, I got to come back on the show. I'm like, well, what you doing this weekend? <laughs> hey, I, I love you, All brother, right. John. I'm, I'm going to talk to you soon, man. Peace, peace, right, peace. peace Everyone that was our, our brother, um, someone that we support um, completely, 100% here on the ADOS podcast, Representative John Thompson for 67A. He's doing a lot of great things. I'm looking forward to, to reading more um, about the proposals that he's coming up with, with this ominous bill that he that he's putting together right now. Uh, I know some of those provisions that he mentioned is going to really support our community. Um, that, that, that was great. I know John's going to do some great things. Yeah, and if you're on the east side, reach out. 
you know, that's all it takes is a phone call. So if you if you're over on the east side of St. Paul and you know some people who's connected to John, go check out some of these bills and some of the work he's doing. And call that brother. He'll answer. Send him an email. He'll get back to you. And if he don't get back to you, I know it's L.A. Jason Chavez will. Um, they're good people over there. Rest in peace to Cicely Tyson. Yes. Um, I want to start off the show with that, but I couldn't let myself forget. And I know we talked about it before we got on, on the show. Man. Powerful sister. You know, the longevity of her life and her career. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 25 years old. I first... You know, got familiar with Cicely watching a Tyler Perry film. And I was like, who is this woman? And then, you know, I just I just fell in love from that point on. So rest in peace. You will be missed and loved. And happy Black History Month. Happy Black History Month as we kick it off. And I got to remind y'all, you know, it's Black History Month for me all <laughs> the time. You know, 12 months, 365, I celebrate Black History. I know, Christian, you do the same. Of course. But uh, love love on love on your people this month, man. Love, love on some black people this month more than you did last month. Uh, seriously. And a lot of our black folks are dying. A lot of our, uh, you know, business owners, a lot of our actors, a lot of our athletes, a lot of influential people in our community are dying, man. Uh, it's it's really sad. So love on black people while they're here. Give them their roses while they're here. Give them the roses. Um, this was an amazing show. I'm glad we had Brother John on. Uh, remember to reach out to him. Go check out the Maplewood store. Go Maplewood and check out Bread. We got to highlight black businesses. I'm wearing actually a local brand right now for my brother Nehemiah Thomas. Um, go check him out on Instagram. Uh, very comfortable sweater. I got the sweatpants to match, but I decided to throw in a pair of comfortable jeans today. But, uh, man, support our black businesses right now, especially during this time of COVID-19, where we need to you know, make sure that a lot of our brothers and sisters have a way to eat, especially a lot of our entrepreneurs. Christian, you got anything you want to wrap up, you want to say? Uh, that that concludes episode two. <laughs> Remember to like us on our Facebook page at the 8 Eyes Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel with the 8 Eyes Podcast. Follow us on Instagram and also check out um, our other platforms. We're on Apple Music. We're on Spotify. We're on every major streaming platform that's out there. Please support our podcast, guys. We love and appreciate y'all. I'm your co-host, Elijah Norris Holiday, And I'm your co-host, Christian. And we gone. <laughs>